0: Welcome to the Home Inspired Podcast, where we discover the power and potential of home. Journey with a community of kingdom-minded moms as we look at the micro-nation of home and the world-changing possibilities within our own four walls. All right, we are back on the Home Inspired Podcast, and I have my friend Becky Elder here, who is... Quite a pillar in the Wichita area. She's been here for a long time. My whole life. (laughs) And um, she and her family, now tell me if I'm wrong about this, but you and your family have established Eldersley Farm. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Which is kind of this, I'll just describe it as like a vortex of um, culture and communication and um, kingdom that I find um, extremely refreshing and I know a lot of people have um, and hospitality and innovation and all of these things and it's quite an experience if you haven't experienced it before but um, Becky is the matriarch of this uh, this amazing family and so she has quite some fruit when it comes to discipling her children and her family and I am I feel really grateful and honored that she's here. So thank you for being here.
1: Well, I'm delighted. Uh, mm-hmm. I love to tell stories, and I think that's probably the the best way to get at it. You, you mentioned Eldersley, but long before Eldersley there was the family on both my mother and my father's side that were uh, in Sedgwick County and Reno County, and they have their stories about being Scot Irish and being German Mennonite, mm-hmm. and so I extend back quite a ways mm. in this territory mm-hmm. and have an incredibly strong sense of my identity because we have been able to keep our place mm. and I can go visit the graves and I can uh, touch the old houses, and I can walk on the same paths that they did literally, wow. and I think that's been an incredible privilege
2: mm.
1: in a time when mobility is valued and place or keeping your place is more difficult. Uh, I have been given that great gift mm. of uh, it's It's what the the um Benedictines require of themselves. The allegiances uh, are not only to um, prayer and fasting and celibacy, but to staying put. Mm. If you study the Benedictine uh, monks and the 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 order of Saint Benedict, you find that that is one of their rules. You have to stay put wow and so uh like a tall tree. Uh, we are here. I have been here. Um, uh, And all those things, it's been so odd recently that uh, all those things that we're talking about right now in terms of discipling children become so much more easily done when you're button boxes full i mean i don't have to go very far to show them exactly who they are and we we made sure that we did Uh, my uh, my mother uh, was very intentional about these things and she taught me to be very intentional about Mm. these things and Mm. i have made it my practice to be shepherding still 40 year old children mm-hmm. that are raising grandchildren mm-hmm. to be very deliberate about mm-hmm. these things. Um, and so eldersly is my chapter in the story. Uh, my husband and I met at a small Episcopal College in uh, Suwannee, Tennessee, the University of the South. Uh, and we found our way back here to work with our family business and, uh, my husband was very much rural. He was very much, uh, he had been raised on a mountaintop in Tennessee. And so it was, uh, just like him to find a, uh, a uh, piece of property that was on the last paved road in Sedgwick <laughs> County. Uh, 3501 East, 101st Street North. I couldn't <laughs> believe we were going that far North. Uh-huh. I wanted to be next to mother with two small children and, uh, I didn't have a washing machine, and we were still in cloth diapers at that time, oh, so yeah. oh, man. all those Ooh. things uh, <laughs> would have put me in town, but he put me on a 40-acre lot in uh, in northern Sedgwick County, and it became Eldersley. Wow. And the story is pretty common uh, in many, many ways. We just uh, bought a place that was totally substandard, and we started working. and over time uh six more children were accumulated five by birth and one by adoption Mm -hmm. and they were born in the home and they were uh, educated in that home in that house and they became uh, familiar with every inch of it because our habit was not to go very far. Our habit was to use the resource of the home and the surrounding property, which was a great gift as well. But mm-hmm. one of the most important things we did, there were two or three things uh, that I I think is are peculiar to our story. Um, we homeschooled at the very, very beginning mm-hmm. uh, when things were still very illegal, uh, <laughs> but not they not weren't
0: popular. Not
1: popular. Uh, it, was, it was actually uh, a, a lot of testing of the waters uh, at the very beginning, in the, 19, the early 1980s. Mm-hmm. And the same for home birth. Uh, mm-hmm. There was a lot of testing of the territory in terms of parental rights. Mm-hmm. So we were, we were doing that rather unconsciously and finding ourselves involved in some of those maelstroms and, mm-hmm. and the children observed that yeah. as well. They, yeah. they became acutely aware. So we homeschooled and we home birthed and we didn't advocate that for everybody else, but we found it fit very, very perfectly with our lifestyle. And then my husband is very much an equestrian. Philip is his name and it means lover of horses and (laughs) that's what we did. We taught them all to ride. We got involved with pony clubs and saddle clubs and we did long distance trips together and it was it was instead of soccer, instead of you know, instead of baseball, instead of all the things that they might have done sports wise, we chose this it was like camping with your horse. Mm-hmm. And so we found ourselves from uh, the oldest boy, who's now 40, uh, down to the youngest one, who's now 22. Uh, we were all together for a long time in a camper and went with a horse trailer. So those three things kept us at together, it yeah. as a family.
0: Becky, what what um, was it that inspired you to homeschool like at that time oh it's a
1: great story (laughs) absolutely great story uh my sister-in-law nancy uh who thinks she's the most uh uh she thinks she's the quietest most unobtrusive person in the whole world and she has nothing to offer and she married my brother they were in california they were she was one of the first paralegals and uh uh, she was practicing in his law office, and they met and married and came home. And, uh, of course, we were famous friends. I didn't have a sister, so she was my sister. Yeah. And one night, we were coming home uh, very late from Oklahoma, and we listened to a James Dobson's uh, program, and there was a man on it named Raymond Moore. And if you go back, 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 he is the renaissance uh, of home education because home education like home birth was the way things were done right uh, forever right and so Raymond Moore Washagool Wisconsin is talking to James Dobson late at night it's raining Nancy's driving and I'm listening and I have had this incredible opportunity over time to uh, figure out what I was going to be, and what I was going to do, and oh, I'm so sorry, this is so bad. Um,
0: <laughs> it's okay.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, but, uh, the program is over, and Nancy, in her most casual way, says, well, homeschooling, the program was all about homeschooling, and how it was radical, and how it was to be valued as radical and done intentionally. Uh, this, is, uh, this is 1979, mm-hmm. 1979, and she looks at me and she says, let's do it. And I said, Nancy, we can't do that. Uh, my parents started the first non-parochial <laughs> private school in Kansas. I'm going to have to go to that school. And she said, no, you don't have to. We can try this and that was the trajectory she was crazy california enough Mm -hmm. to say no Mm -hmm. just leave it all where it is and think about how valuable our kids are to us let's try it let's stay together and let's Mm -hmm. do it sister and sister-in-law let's do it and we did so she led me uh in her in her very, very winsome, quiet way into home birth and to homeschooling. Mm. And I think it was because of her roots in California. Mm. And and so she helped me break a few bonds sure. that allowed me to move back to my roots. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I was very grateful for that. So uh, that was the beginning.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then, of course, it was, it was, uh, maternal, in that I wanted to be with my children. Mm-hmm. I, I, people would at the beginning say things about homeschooling, you know, how noble you are, and I, it was. It was, a big, it was a big departure from the norm to homeschool, but it was also just very natural to be with my children and yeah. to be at home, and uh, I, I never missed a beat. I mm-hmm. I just felt so at peace staying home. Yeah, and there was not the decision, so to speak. It was oh. it was I didn't have a threshold to walk over. I had some things to leave behind, but mm-hmm. I really was able to embark on uh, a journey that uh, was familiar enough, but was. Uh, Going to be informed by all the things I had to give my children,
2: mm-hmm. and that
1: my husband had to give my children, and my parents, uh, and his parents, were not for it, but they watched and mm-hmm. they supported, and it became very much the culture of our entire family. Everybody homeschooled, mm. so we were we were in it together.
0: Yeah. What have you seen have been the most effective um, qualities of cultures at home that um, you see really impart? Um, well, a heart to love the Lord and love 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 your neighbor as yourself. More, I mean, at put simply, you know, just the way of the Lord. Like, what have you seen as in terms of? Because you see a lot of families. Yeah. You you have a broad exposure to families. So what do you see, like, as the... And maybe even from your own experience, what have been the things that you could draw from that were the most effective in building a home culture that perpetuates love of the Lord? Loving the Lord is
1: like loving your husband or loving something that comes to you it comes close to you but to make that reach to make that connection a child has to observe it being done Mm -hmm. and they have to be Instructed, tutored, shown relationship, relationship over and over and over.
0: I, uh, and you're saying relationship with the Lord, or you're saying relationship with all around all, all them. around, okay, all around yeah. them. That was. uh,
1: we had a family bed, I nursed until they were two.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
1: if they went, if if I went someplace, they went with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was. I I knew my job was to be as the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. I knew that we were supposed to be together.
0: How did you know that?
1: I knew that because that's the way I'd been taught. Okay, okay. And it hadn't been so explicit and it hadn't been explained, but it was true. My dad and mother sacrificed so so much of their time to to be with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, There were lots of patterns that I learned from my parents that were just totally natural. Being together, long trips, long, long, when it was a snow day at, at the public school when I was growing up with mother and dad, we were all together. Dad would try to stay home. We would do phonics, we would do spelling, we would do hot chocolate. We made a celebration out of absolutely everything.
2: Mm-hmm. When they
1: went to the Waldorf Astoria in New York for some huge gala, whatever, once in their <laughs> lifetime, they took us. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. They didn't ever leave us behind. Mm. And as in my maturity uh, and my understanding of, of the Trinity, uh, the function of the Holy Ghost was who i was yeah i was going to be with them
0: well typically holy ghost is associated with the maternal and the kind of nurturing that's wonderful i'm gl- the lord and giver of life yeah. right? good and so beautiful yeah so you just knew that you just kind of knew that somehow. well i knew i knew uh i knew i wanted to be
1: with them i knew my my uh my work was with them mm-hmm. and uh, I knew that in order to fully inculcate them in the culture that you're talking about, mm-hmm. I was going to have to be there at that teachable moment. Right. I, I had a I had very little structure. Yeah. Academically and a whole lot of structure personally, familially, seasonally, mm-hmm. you know, traditionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, School was okay. That was important. (laughs) Uh, They, praise God, uh, most of them caught on pretty easily Mm -hmm. to reading.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, The barn was science and (laughs) history was uh, reading and talking and taking trips. So my my curriculum was very informal. Mm -hmm. But my... My teaching was incessant. Mm -hmm. Uh, We listened to Walter Cronkite (laughs) every morning at the breakfast table (laughs) on cassettes, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, talking about the American War for Independence and, you know, the Crimean War and just whatever Walter Cronkite was talking about that morning, we were thinking about. Mm. And so those things were uh, patterns, that were yeah. part of the day as opposed to curriculums that we bought and uh worked at. Uh, yeah. It was it was epic. Yeah. I, I I felt very unconstrained. And a lot of people said, well, you're you know, you're not preparing them. But when they did go on away from the homeschool at uh, 12, 13, 14 uh, there was, my brother had started a school in a factory, Northfield School, and I honestly never would have sent them to school, but it was my brother. It was Uncle Bob. It mm-hmm. was, uh, it was the right step. And it, it just, as a homeschooling perspective or as a schooling perspective, I, I would advocate for small, uh, pods mm-hmm. of kids. Mm-hmm. That's what we did. We started a little school. My brother mm-hmm. and sister-in-law and I mm-hmm. started a little school, and others joined as we came along. And that school still exists, and I still run it. And I still—I t- don't start till sixth grade. Seventh mm-hmm. grade would be preferable, and I make it as short as possible. Till tenth or eleventh grade, they can go to the university early. They can. Mm-hmm. I'm not in it for. The school I'm in it for the training of their minds uh, in the effort to be uh, in the effort to be part of a community once yeah. once you're ready to finish uh, formally having them with you at home and you are ready to ask them to learn to integrate themselves into a thinking community an mm-hmm. academic community not a social community. Mm-hmm. So uh that aspect of of it being fam- familial I mm-hmm. think is very possible in this uh I think everybody's doing it naturally and we just did it a little bit more formally we yeah. we had uh, we had the factory that could house us mm-hmm. and in which we could invite others.
0: Yeah. So, um, cause, so I, I have a little insider information Good. from your son, George, oh. who said that, um, and Catherine, mm-hmm. his wife, who said that there were some incredibly dynamic, always incredibly dynamic conversations around the dinner table. I- and there seems to me to have been this freedom of thought and freedom of speech that um, kind of led to children who had deep convictions about things. But my question is, so like, you know, I have little kids right now and a lot of the effort is just for them to listen and obey. Um, When do you see that transition into, and they give me thoughts all the time. I mean, it's not like, you know, it's not just a one-way, but I I do see um, the value of training them to listen and obey, and yet eventually I want them to enter into those kinds of conversations with us as their parents. How do you how can you lead me through the phases that you saw of r- raising and discipling your children, like? I mean, that's a big question, but like, oh. you know, the young years, the kind of grade school years, and then the... Well, the youngest years, of
1: course, I was I was just at home, and the conversation that you're talking about, those dynamic conversations, to a certain extent, happened with Walter Cronkite, <laughs> uh, and they happened when my brothers would come and when my mother would come the kitchen was full of politics and philosophy and economics and history and and current events and and i have to say this that the blessing of generational is something that you may be starting mm-hmm. you may be the first one mm-hmm. and so your task is to be as uh, inquisitive about the largest things
2: mm-hmm. and
1: bring them into your conversation daily with your children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have watched my own children as they have discipled and educated their children take the dinner table uh, platform very seriously every night. What yeah. did you do today? What did you think today? Who who did you meet today? Mm-hmm. And then when when the older when the parents talk well i read a book i i had a i had a new perspective i gained you know it has to start somewhere this this large this large world has to come into ours daily and safely and mm-hmm. uh but clearly mm-hmm. you're part of a very big uh Uh, drama and God has purposed this drama Mm -hmm. and the the beginning of this drama is something we read in the Bible but the working out of this drama is in time and thought and people so bring and and I know know you do this intentionally bring interesting people to your home Mm
2: -hmm.
1: bring conversation bring them to the conversations I hate to tell you that I drug them places they didn't know they were going uh it the interesting people or your yeah, kids yeah <laughs> we did we did a lot i did third party politics and carried three of them you know in the in the shopping cart in the walmart parking lot to get signatures and mm-hmm. we did pro life work we we mm-hmm. were all arrested and we were you know in those years, it, it was very much the interposition of Jesus Christ. It mm-hmm. was very much in homeschooling, and in home birthing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: in, in uh, uh, pro-life work. We were putting ourselves in between good and evil, as Jesus has done for us. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that your children see that and understand it, they must not become militant. They must become profound. Mm -hmm. The the militancy is the act of indoctrination. The profoundness is the act of enculturation.
0: Yes. Wow, you could just stop right there. That's huge, especially right now. Yeah, it's huge. Especially right now. Yeah. Because of the tribalism and the, I mean, really the indoctrination. It's so easy to be indoctrinated right now. Yeah. And it's so hard, in many ways, to be profound, and it really is, because that requires a pushing away that I don't know that we even know that we need.
1: Yeah, well, I don't know, uh, I don't know what fear distorts until it's distorted. Mm-hmm. But I do know that the genius of Christ is uh, his his beckoning, his questioning, his beckoning, questioning. Come into this conversation with me, and together we will we will present and together we will uh discover and together we will this is that relationship part of it we will grow stronger
2: mm-hmm.
1: more capable mm-hmm. stick with me don't go away that's how you become profound it's not cling to me and and uh huddle in a corner with me no. it is let's let's Confront this, and let's ask as many questions. This uh, last couple weeks, in between Christmas, holiday, and, and New Year's, we have been rather dormant at our house. My husband and I have been by ourselves because we had our Christmas early with all the children. All 30 of us were together, and <laughs> it was wonderful. Uh, but uh, I, I went back and listened to uh, Travels with Charlie by John Steinbeck. I hadn't read it since I was in college.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But the observation uh, that is done in that kind of odyssey mm-hmm. is how I think one should look at life with children. Mm-hmm. We're on this trip together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what do you see? And what do I see? And what are your schema? What what can you bring to the conversation mm-hmm. about this? And what do they know? and and what can you teach in that teachable moment mm-hmm. but make sure your orientation is never towards what uh, Susan's uh, oh Susan Schaefer McCauley uh, had such a, a fabulous experience you know with her parents in the Brie, uh mm-hmm. years and then she came forward and introduced all of us to Charlotte Mason and Mm -hmm. Charlotte Mason had a an aversion to what she called twaddle (laughs) don't they're plastic toys don't do it intellectually you know entertainment don't do it uh take them towards the deep
0: water Mm. and but in your arms yeah so good It makes me think of that verse, uh, if you continue in my word, Mm. Mm. then you are my disciples, and Mm. you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Yeah, continue. Continue in my word, yeah. Because it is that journey, right? And it's revisiting things in varying levels of maturity and throughout the years, layer upon layer. I think that's what's so beautiful about like, the Hebrew tradition is that there's just these layers, you know, I mean, these like gorgeous, symbolic layers upon layers.
1: Like so, a geology, like, yeah,
0: like, like a, a, a rock. Yeah. Like you learn the basic story, but then, oh, there's so much more. You yeah. Know? So can you tell me how you just even practically how you engaged with the scriptures as a mother mm-hmm. Um, you know in the early years and the middle years and
1: yeah i uh i came to uh my own understanding of the faith uh very eclectically very eclectically my parents were in many different denominations and mm. and i uh went to an episcopal school and Then my husband and I were in the middle of nowhere with the very Pentecostal people, and we worshipped anywhere. Mm
2: -hmm. We
1: worshipped everywhere. So engaging the scriptures was, again, engaging people. I had a thorough working knowledge of the scripture. Mm -hmm. I had read scripture. I'd read it as literature. I'd read it as history. I'd, I'd read it as... As theology so that that work had been done to me and by me.
0: <laughs> Before you became a mom. Before
1: I became a mom. Okay. Okay. And when I was carrying the first child I became uh, acutely aware of the kingdom. The mm-hmm. kingdom became clear to me.
0: And how did you how did that happen? Because that's early. Well
1: very very specifically uh, I was introduced to postmillennial eschatology through a mm. bunch of guys down in Tyler, Texas, and they were renegades of a sort. Uh, they produced an influence that became known as the Federal Vision. And all those things were they were bus stops. They, they weren't yeah. things that I became allied with or, yeah. right. or identified with, but they were thinking people. Yeah. And the kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven became very clear to me wow. that that was the work.
0: When you were pregnant with While one. Well, I was pregnant one, with the first one. How, how, how perfect. Yeah. I was sick pregnant. Oh, nausea <laughs> pregnant. So the best thing you can do is listen to a tape <laughs> or something. Exactly <laughs> right. That's what I
1: was doing. And my dad had given them to me. Oh, wow. You know? And so, okay, I, I launch on into that. But thereafter... Uh, the, the scripture were, uh, I could always count on this, uh, when a philosophical, theological, uh, economic, any discipline, Political, any, any, yeah, any yeah. direction, yeah. Bible stories came to me. Stories, yes. stories, stories, stories. Yeah. So I had, the Bible was a story. It was a yeah. great story. And that's why the kingdom coming was the part of the story that was yet yeah, I was mm-hmm. I was going to live now mm-hmm. my part mm-hmm. with my kids and I was going to have to give them uh, that update you know yeah. or hand off the baton to them so mm-hmm. engaging the scriptures was like the most uh, it was my reference point mm-hmm. and I read as John Milton advises one i read promiscuously mm-hmm. i read i read uh the liberals i read the conservatives i read the crazies i read i read i read i listened i i talked mm-hmm. but i had this i had this attachment and faith in the scripture as a story that would inform any other story mm-hmm. so my wonderful privilege with the children was to um, tell them stories. Yeah. And when I told them the stories, I submitted them again in myself. Mm-hmm. So it was a twofer. Mm-hmm. So I went through them once as a single woman, once as a mother, and I'm going through it all again now as a grandmother grappling with how to do that work again. Mm-hmm. So. Engaging the scriptures uh, was it. It was uh, organic.
0: Okay.
2: Very good.
1: There were very little Bible study group wise. There was church attendance, and then there was the children. Like, let's read that again. What? The, what does that word mean? Where does that word come from? Where did we see that man before in in the history of God? Or where do we see someone like him uh, around us right now? So connection, schema.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, there's so much in what you just said because the fact that you had a revelation of the kingdom when you were pregnant with child number one, Obliterates the sacred secular divide, right. right? which then Great allows point. the scriptures to invade, in one regard, or to inform. Inform invades a good word <laughs> um, to salt. Yeah. you know every part of your conversation and your your processing of all of these things going on. Mm. wow but i would I would
1: say this to mothers, to young mothers i I think that you uh you you need to always consider your energy level uh and you always need to prioritize the home itself and i mean. The place in which you live. Bring as much to that place as you can. Go away from it as infrequently as you have to. Mm. Uh, In our family now, we have, you know, the daughters in laws have made uh, decisions with our sons to go to school and not stay at home per se, although they are marvelous mothers and their intentionality is is immense but I think a fatigue creeps in sure and I think that a loss around the edges where it should stay very very sharp uh, sets in and because there were there were eight of them it's hard to get around to help them (laughs) as I should and I feel like there's an impoverishment in me now Uh, I my mother helped me a great deal, uh, and there was only one of me, so I've <laughs> kind of I've kind of uh, stepped on my own toes there with a whole bunch of them. <laughs> but I I uh, I have a, a text thread. <laughs> yeah. You know I use yeah. my technology sparingly, but mm-hmm. you know intentionally, and mm-hmm. we have this glorious uh, communication all day long amongst the. The family and and it has it has been a kind of tying together that mother my mother never would have had That's yeah it is it's That's been neat. it's been very joyful very awesome. joyful
0: so I it doesn't seem to me like this was a super big part of your story but I'm wondering if you've seen people battle this or if you or if you in fact did battle it but a lot of my story is kind of um pushing back from the narrative mm. of what I, know, I like, I'm getting a little choked up cause I could have missed it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Like really missed it. Yeah. And these years are so precious. Ooh. I've gotten to spend so much time with my little three year old and invest in her and delight in her and learn her and you know, all of it. And, It's a sacrifice on one hand, but it's also just a joy because I get to watch her flourish and that's fun, you know, Um, I get to watch her engage with other people. So I'm just, but so I could have really missed it. And um, the reason I could have missed it is because I had a narrative in my own mind that said that my destiny and purpose was out there, conquering something, you know, out of the home, out of the realm of family, doing something big for the world, you know, did you, did you fight that at all? Or... Yeah, oh, oh yes, yeah. Okay. yeah, I was out in those Walmart <laughs> parking
1: lots, man, I was, you had your I, eight kids, Yeah, <laughs> but I, I brought, that's the thing, don't go where they can't go, don't, go, but don't go where they can't go and one of the one of the wonderful things about that dilemma of mm-hmm. ourselves and our you know it's the one and the many it's mm-hmm. it's how do we actually be divine how sure. do we actually be as God is how do we be ourselves right right yeah. how do we be ourselves yet be in communion and mm-hmm. and give of ourselves, which is what we want to do uh it is it is so easy to go into any place and any conversation with intentionality to say, what do you think, you know, to immediately, whenever you meet a person, who are you, what do you do, to take it deeper and that becomes the that becomes the fulfillment of that drive that you're talking about, uh, you're talking about, to be significant and mm-hmm. relevant. And you do it in this winsome way of, "I want to know you, whoever this is, that's immediately with me." Philip was always my husband was always so wonderful about bringing people home, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the, 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 and, the, and the conversation uh, that would ensue in a home over a meal with the children there. I felt like I was doing my service to the communion of saints or the mm. community at large by having them in my home and being purposeful mm. about our conversation and not letting it descend into uh, you know, maybe twaddle. Right?
0: Twaddle.
1: <laughs> Adult twaddle. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: yeah you know uh, yeah wow uh, that's really neat that is really that is really neat because I find for me that even these interviews are a form of that for uh, of expression and um, me being me and um, serving the community at large through these interviews because I get to know people and I get to draw them out and that's really fun
1: and I do, I will say this, that uh, here at the, the, the end and you at the beginning, your times are different than my times were. Mm-hmm. This is important. What mm-hmm. you are doing, taking things in this way, a podcast, an interview, uh, it's more needed. Uh, the familial ties which so nourished me have been stretched by our by our the encroachment of our uh, of our world i i i you are at a disadvantage, and this accommodation is very helpful and very good mm. so i don 't see it as selfish or or self expression I see it as your way of Uh, a dinner table.
0: Yeah, that is, it is. Yeah, it's
1: very, it's very important.
0: Thank you. Thank you. Well, is there anything else that you would like to share? That Well, to young mothers, to mothers
1: all the way around, uh, that child, oh, (laughs) that child is perfect. Perfectly horrible, perfectly <laughs> dirty, perfectly, you know, hungry, perfectly crazy, perfectly, perfectly. Uh, but I, I live next door to a family that could not have children, and they have adopted three cocaine addicted children,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the bruising and the, the bleeding and the difficulty that that family goes through, next door to me. As I hold it up against my own, mine is so insignificant. Mm. Their tenacity, their willingness, their yieldedness uh, is something I cheer for
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and it's part of that thing about the times. You're in more obvious difficulty mm. and you must Hang on as the open hand. You don't grip and and uh, choke and squeeze. Y- your hand is open to receive what God will give you, and to move through it with Him. But uh, be assured that he will help. He is constant. He will amaze. And in the difficulties, expect the best. Expect mm. it. It's, it's so hard to rise up when you, your burden is your burden. It's easier to rise up when your burden is your child's burden. Mm. If it were my problem, I probably wouldn't surmount it. But the way a parent loves a child is the way Jesus loves us. It's the way the kingdom comes. It's the little child. Let the burden be that joyful one that we will respond to of my child needs today. This Mm -hmm. is what he needs, and let's do it today. Mm -hmm. So focus, focus on God's help and that connection through you to the child, to bring them into the kingdom, to bring them along on the journey yeah. of the kingdom coming.
2: Yeah.
1: Uh, and I, I, it's not glib at all to say, look forward uh, to beauty. Look mm. forward. At my point now, oh, I look back and I think, whoa, we slogged through a lot of stuff. <laughs> and I'm so glad we're together. I love my husband desperately. I loved him happily for many, many years, but now it's like, okay, I know why they said don't give up. <laughs> <laughs> we have not, and we we together as a couple are enjoying and reaping the benefits of all that difficulty mm. of just saying, okay, it's hard. Yeah, mm. it's ugly. It's, mm exhausting Mm -hmm. Uh, let's stop let's rest let's rejoice let's and then we'll go on again but don't give up that's good yeah don't give up
0: well thank you Becky thank you you're so awesome thank you so much for joining us today please check out our website at homeinspired.org for more resources and if you want to connect with me in person email me at naomi at homeinspired.org thanks again